Hello and welcome back to the Representation Podcast with your two favourite siblings. My name is Yusuf. And my name is Sophia. And actually on that note, I just want to quickly say, because it's the end of South Asian Heritage Month and I've been watching a lot of Never Have I Ever. Everyone in my life, I think, calls me Saf as a nickname. I'm now going to officially ask them to call me by my full name, Sophia. (laughs) Do you ever get that? Uh, I have no issues with people calling me use. Oh, I think it's just because my name's become Saf and Sophia's a lovely name and no one ever calls me it. So if you're listening, I want you to use my full name, not a nickname, Sophia. So yeah, that was just one disclaimer from me, but it's a very important time of year for us, use. Yeah, very important time of the year. It was just carnival, <laughs> which is... <laughs> <laughs> And I had an absolutely amazing time, worked both days because I'm a legend. And yeah, just once again, being around that much melanin is just wonderful. It really, it's good for the soul. It's good for the soul. And yeah, you know, we're trying to make our events, you know, have a bit more diversity, but, you know, we're struggling to get there and it's just it really is just so affirming to to be at events where you know there's people of many races and and different faces and it's really great to see um speaking of which dialed in coming up soon dialed in is coming up our favorite time of year i've been to the last two yusuf has been to one we wish we were at the next one that is happening on the 11th, I believe, of September. Sorry if I've got that wrong. Don't have the date in front of me. Yeah. But unfortunately, neither of us are going and we are heartbroken. Really heartbroken. And yeah, we were very lucky to sit down with two of the members, two of the team uh, who started up the amazing project uh, dialed in. So stick around for that. We've got that interview coming up very, very soon. Uh, but in the meantime, what else are we going to talk about? But yeah, so what else is popping? I mean, I am actually back from carnival today i'm getting up at the crack of dawn tomorrow to fly to croatia for a whole week of intense techno until 7 a.m every for five days i'm actually a little bit intimidated are you going to the selectors what are you going to detmantle selectors no i'm going to dimensions oh i see i'm so sorry yeah so lots of oons 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 um but yeah it's gonna be fun and you know what? I've also I've flown the nest now. A bit of personal. What was that? A bit of personal news for everyone. I have now flown the nest. I'm no longer living at home uh, again. So that's very exciting for me. So yeah, ladies, form an orderly queue. Form an orderly queue. He lives under a roof where our parents are not there. Also, if that makes sense. That of what you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would just like to push something that I worked on on the past month which is very relevant to our podcast because it was inspired by our Desi Island Disc segment. I wrote a lovely piece for Galdem because as I mentioned tail end of South Asian Heritage Month and also to mark 75 years since the Indian continent split into East Pakistan, India, West Pakistan, um, East Pakistan which we now know as Bangladesh and I was so lucky to chat to, I think, 10 people who all shared a Deer Sea Island disc with me who have moved from the South Asian continent to the UK in the past 75 years. So have a little read. Have a little read. It's interesting. Educate yourself. 
Um, but I loved it. Also had former guest Artie on Yusuf. Had a lovely conversation with her. Yeah, she is our absolute favourite. But although, can we really call it hers a dissy island disc if she's not dissy? <gasps> no, someone from the South Asian continent. Um, a Tamil area tune. A Tamil tune. Tamil tune. Um, so much love to Artie and so much love to all the South Asian DJs out there killing it right now. I mean, yeah, we we we, we talk about um oh on that note, uh next Thursday, so the day I get back from Croatia, it is really no rest for the beautiful right now, i.e. me. The day I get back from Croatia, I will be supporting Suchi in Bristol at the Love Inn. So that's gonna be fun. Um, that's gonna be well fun. Have you met Suchi before? No, I don't think that I have, you know, but yeah, she plays absolute wampers, so it should be a good night. Um, yeah, it's going to be a long day for me. I'm probably going to be absolutely exhausted, but yeah, I'm on warm-up duty from 10 through to 1. So come on down, shake a leg, it's going to be fun. Anyone in the Bristol area, get yourself down to Love In for some South Asian representation. And before we get into our dialed-in chat, I'd just like to remind everyone that this podcast episode was brought to you by our amazing sponsors, Greenleaf Catering. Right, so here we go. If you've listened to our podcast ever before, or if you've engaged in any way, shape or form with the new South Asian underground since I want to say like 2020, then you'll probably, well, it's kind of embarrassing maybe if you don't know what dialed in. But if you've never listened to a podcast episode, if you're new to the scene, I don't know if you've been living under a rock, we've got the dialed in team with us. So a little snippet I found from a Galden review by Tara Joshi. So I'm going to use her words because they're much more coherent than mine. Says, dialed in was a space within which South Asians could exist and express ourselves and celebrate each other in all of our vastness while trying to break through the divisions and issues that colonialism and tradition have upheld. Dialed in was initially founded by Jalo, No ID and Daytimers, but the dialed in team are building up to their third day and night party as well as this they're also hosting panel events workshops collaborations within the uk and across the world you might have seen their boiler room in pakistan so today's episode of representation we've got two key people from the team welcome both little hellos and i think we just love to hear about your roles within dialed in hey 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 I'm Almas. <laughs> um, obviously, while you're listening, you can't see this, but I can see Drew's face and he's already smiling. <laughs> so it started. I'm Almas. I'm the marketing and comms lead um, at Dialed In. The role is quite dynamic, actually. We work across programming and curating and all the creative as well. So that's me at Dialed In. And also little asterisks as well. Almas is a DJ and host of what is this behavior podcast so you've probably already heard her voice (laughs) hey i'm druva i'm on the co-founders of dialed in and cello i'm also a writer and journalist and i yeah that's kind of what i do yeah you've probably read a lot of a lot of his stuff i have anyway but guys welcome we're very excited to have you here how are you feeling really good it's a nice sunny morning and i've just come from the gym so the endorphins are riding high so um just to jump straight in Tell us about the birth of Dialed In, the conversations that were happening and how you got to your first event. Let's take it back to like 2020. I released a compilation, a little small one, um, on something called Ajkal. Um, it was like 10 tracks and basically the pandemic set in. I lost all my freelance work and I was just, I had nothing to do with my time. And my friends were volunteering in India in places that I kind of wish I was doing. And I was like, how do I help 
I was like, well, financially I can help them. So I got together some musicians from India and Pakistan who are friends. And then we put out a compilation and I think it raised like 500 pounds in 24 hours. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm onto something here. And then I started emailing other artists and Sarthi Korwar actually, who's a dear friend, um, got in touch saying that Jit Woman, the jazz, his label Jazz Diaries, was releasing a compilation. So I decided to email Jitty. From there, Cello was born. Simultaneously, Daytimers was also just building and incepting and gathering together the disparate people that they have as part of their collective. And then once the Cello uh, compilation came out, I think it raised like £6,000 in three months. And then Daytimers released their compilation a month later, and that also raised a crazy amount. And then we started chatting. Well, me and Prova started chatting a lot. And then simultaneously, I emailed Ahad about this documentary we were working on. And Ahad was like, hey, I've just received an email from Walton Forest Council asking whether we'd want to throw, I want to throw a South Asian focused event series or festival. Would you want to jump in and do it? And so me and him had a meeting with Walton Forest Council. Then we brought in Provat. And then simultaneously amongst all of this, Asan had emailed us saying, hey, I'm thinking of launching a mentorship scheme. Uh, would you be interested? Ahad and I were like, why don't we just combine all of this together? But then we realized that none of us actually knew how to throw a festival. Turns out Asan's day job is producing festivals. And we were like, hey, what are the chances? And then we spoke to Walton Forest. We went to like, God, I don't even know how many. I think we were in the borough like every day for months on end, just running around trying to find a venue. And then we finally put in an application in May. We got accepted in June. And that's kind of when we started the work. So we did, we ran and produced and held a festival in three months. And it came together in September of last year. Yeah, September 11th. The question that I was going to ask in my head is that I know that I had kind of got like a bit of experience in kind of running events through more time and all that kind of stuff but to go from zero to a hundred like pulling off this I mean I don't know what the capacity was maybe a thousand ish I think it was with artists and staff about 1200 yeah so to go from not producing events at all to, to to pulling off this this gigantic event in in the space of a three month turnaround like what what was that like for you Hiring. <laughs> we all had day jobs. So Provat was finishing his year at uni. Uh, Asan was working full time. Ahad was working full time. He still is. I'm I was working full time at that point. Nigel, one of our other co-founders, was also working. So we would do it on a lunch breaks and after work. Like there would be nights where we'd be up until three in the morning having meetings. Uh, trying to put things together because you have to remember we didn't have a name, we didn't have a logo, we didn't have like colors we knew we needed. None of the venues had ever done something like this before. So it was a matter of like trying to convince, and no one had done anything like this before. So it was a matter of trying to convince not just the council to give us funding, but all these venues and people to just trust in us that we could deliver it. But we didn't know whether we could deliver it. We were just hoping for the best. And I think the week the week of was a really scary time because there were just so many things coming up last minute and we were unsure of how we could pull it off. Saturday came and then it just went well and you can't really hope for anything more.
I'm I'm actually blown away that you managed to pull it off in such a short time. I assumed it was in the pipeline for ages because we had a had on maybe on our podcast that January. I remember asking him and I was like, so what have you got coming up this year? He was being very coy. Oh, you know, a few bits and pieces. And then sit like a few months down the line, this whole big festival. I thought, I had you snake. You had huge things. In fact, like, you said, want to tell us. That's actually mad. And then on, so on the day, me and Yusuf were there and we've, we've done a separate podcast episode where we're just like gassing up. We had the best day, but what was it like for you being there on the day, looking around, seeing everyone just have the best time in that space? It was pretty incredible. Like I've been working as a creator for a very long time and I worked in India and worked with festivals there and worked with events there, but it was to do something here as well. Cause I'm not even from here. So it just felt really like beautiful to give people this blank canvas that they could just come in and kind of like dress that they the way they want, act the way they want, and like have samosa at the rave, have jalebi at the rave, you know, and like introduce people to sounds and kind of get away from what was always our intention of like ensuring that South Asians aren't pigeonholed into the bang run Bollywood scene and actually like showcase that there are a lot of artists, whether DJs or live artists who put out such incredible music and getting them together under one roof felt pretty surreal. The South Asian underground that's, that all this momentum has built around this movement for the past couple of years. And you were speaking about how busy all of you were. So I wanted to ask as well about the power of collaboration here, because you all came from like really successful, amazing collectives of your own and then recognized we need to come together to carry this forward, which you did, I guess. Yeah, in Darwin. Yeah. Um... Honestly, we, we, we say this internally a lot and we said after last September, but this is the best team any of us have ever worked with. We complement one another really well. Like if one of us is stressed, there's someone else who's just like calming us down. We have been really careful about who we've hired on and like ensured that like it kind of fits the team's ethos, but also like the mentality. And that's why like we approached Amas, who just seemed like a really perfect fit to take the comms and lead forward actually want to ensure that the bigger we grow, we kind of have that mentality because it's really important to be collaborative. If you want to grow, you don't want to like step on each other's necks. You don't want to pull each other down. What you want to do is build together. So you need people who also think along those lines. And I feel really lucky and really blessed that the five of us just serendipitously came together to put together something and be open to working so collaboratively as well. Wait, so in the core team, there's five of you? Yeah, there's five founders. And now there's seven of us on the core team and about 20 freelancers. And there's our design team as well, who are based in India. Shout out to Shweta, Nikunj, Nishika. All the assets you see, they've designed like the animation, the lineup announcements, the monster. So the question that I wanted to ask, after the success of the first event, as Sophia mentioned, like we were both there. I don't have a bad word to say about it. You're obviously running the event, so you might see it through a more critical eye. Is there anything that you felt that you wanted to do differently for the second one or maybe improve on? What was your feelings going into, okay, when you when you came to sat down and planning the next one? Because I know that it was in a, it was at a different venue. Was there any reason behind that? General thoughts moving forward from the first one? I think because of the celebrities that came through and the secret sets we ended up having at the after party, there were a lot of eyes on us and we got a lot of offers. But again, like I said, we're being really careful and we really wanted to make sure the moves that we make are the right one. And we decided to go to Earth because it was a pretty 
unique opportunity, like the first time in its history that it'll be all three venues taken over in this traditionally really white exclusive space. It's been around since the 1920s and they had never held anything like this before. And that's kind of what we want to do is pioneer, like going into spaces, getting our people into these spaces, getting Global South people and non-white people into traditionally white exclusive spaces. We decided to work with Earth for that reason. I think there's a lot we've learned from last September and a lot we've learned from Earth. I think last September, you know, we need more time to run festivals. We need more time to do anything. There's a lot of feedback and a lot of debriefing that we had. I think having five people work on an event is actually just a crazy thing. Like we we can't do that. All of us were so physically burnt out. All of us were just exhausted. And then same with April. Working with an external venue is always great because they have the infrastructure in place, but then they are certain responsibilities you have to your audience that an external venue may not particularly understand. It just felt like we could have done things better, but we're just taking everything we do as a teachable moment, as a learning moment, because ultimately this is all new. This is all a template that we're trying to build, which hasn't been really done before. And we don't want to build a temp. We don't want to work on and use a template that's been done before because we don't want to step on any toes and we want to show that like our community can do this ourselves and you spoke about taking so when you're in earth taking over spaces that have been traditionally like very white and maybe exclusionary i'm wondering as well the conversations you've had around not only taking over traditionally white spaces but thinking about the audience that are coming to events like this and i don't know if almas this is kind of more of a question for you because it's around how you like market the festival and like all the comms around as well I just want to hear about how you thought this is a space to showcase like the food the musicians the DJs but it's also really important who's coming how did you navigate that that's because that's something that you know me and Yusuf have been talking a lot about recently with the nights that we've been putting on as well it's an excellent question. And I'd say, um, so my journey was that Ahad asked me to DJ at the first dialed in. What was great was that I had a, an idea of what it was like to be in the space and being a host meant that I was there from, I think it was like 12 till 10 or something. And then early 2022. So this year, Ahad then called me again. I really like phone calls from him because they're always like, they result in good things. By the time I joined, which was in the lead up to the April event, we already had the first event underway, which meant that the core audience, those, you know, the the baseline, the foundation was already there. I would say that the, the difference with us versus other festivals is that we are actually serving our own community. And with that comes a level of familiarity, yes, but it's something you can't really take for granted there's this constant conversational tone. We're constantly learning. We're also constantly trying to maintain, not just establish, but maintain trust between us and our audience, because that is the key. If we can't serve ourselves, then it's a bit more of a betrayal, I think, than if you expect like a major corporation or a festival that, you know, you're kind of hoping that there's space for you for. The difference with Darden is that this, this is our home. This is our space. We want people to feel comfortable. And primarily we serve the South Asian community first and everyone else is always welcome for sure. But we need to make sure that we feel comfortable to dress how we want or eat what we want or listen to what we want or talk how we want. 
I'd say that that's probably a major difference in terms of the conversation is not to be too, it's really eye level. And in t- if we ever need to sort of step up, it means it's more of a guiding voice. The reason why is because we want everyone to feel welcome and safe rather than us telling you what to do. We put out so much information before our events, whether that's the site maps, that's what the food stores are. We've, we're going to be putting out a playlist with the artists. So then everyone feels equipped. And it's kind of just the way, you know, if you were having a big house party, you'd be like, right, guys, here's the details, like rock up. But every, we've got everything else sorted. And we're trying our best to cover all the different areas, which we sort of bolt on every time we have another, have another event. And also, I think that extends to like the feedback we receive, which we're really open to. Mm. We have con- like after the first one, people did just were like, there's not enough Tamil representation. And like, as a Tamil person myself, I was like, true, like there isn't. And so we try to address that and we continue to like address any feedback we get, whether from our audience, from the artists, from anybody who's involved. We're always trying to like listen to the people who are there because without them, this wouldn't exist. Like it'd just be an empty menu and we'd just be playing to ourselves, which is fun. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I mean, we'll still be there. We'll be front left every time. <laughs> and I guess how you said about, you know, you're creating this space for your community, communities, it must also put a lot of pressure on that as well. Like you said, you're not some big corporation just creating space for everyone. It's for a very specific group of people that you're part of. And I'm wondering, like, is there loads of pressure? And do you sometimes get a bit nervous that you're going to miss the mark a bit? But also, again, something I've noticed um, is, like you said, you're so it's so clear that you're willing to receive feedback and respond to it and listen to it. But I just wanted to hear, yeah, if have there been any like scares or like, oh, God, we miss we kind of miss something there. I mean, I mean, the short answer is yes. <laughs> we're all human. And yeah, exactly. Um, and we're still learning. And many of us have never thrown a festival before. You know, there's all of these other things that you could say that, you know, these are the reasons why. There, there's a pressure, I, I guess, but also because it is for us by us, the more that we keep on tapping into self, the more we get closer to what it is that we actually want. And then the other thing is that because we've got such an interactive audience, because we've got such an extended family, there's this constant call and response. And that alleviates the pressure because if this, first of all, you've got the five, five founders and then you've got the seven core team, even within that, there's a, there is an amount of diversity, but that's not reflective of the South Asian community as a whole. And so the minute we sort of say, actually, we don't have all the answers, let's outreach a little bit. Let's speak to some of the people that are experts in their fields. And what's fantastic is that the South Asian creative industry at the moment is booming and it will continue, I believe forever. And because of that, it means we we're rich with resource to just ask and ask for consultation or to say, actually, we're not really sure how to deal with this. And that is, is might seem hard, but it's actually so easy once you just say, hey, guys, this isn't my forte. We're trying to implement that every, in everything we do, even with like when we went to Pakistan and um, held Boiler Room Pakistan, one of the caveats that we put down was that it has to be an all local Pakistani crew that works on it all the DJs and artists have to be Pakistani. Like I've worked in India on the Boiler Room events there. And it, I just didn't like how like some diaspora artists would come in and play or like there would be some like non-South Asian artists playing. And so with this really incredible, unique opportunity, we 
we wanted to ensure that not only did everybody get paid, but it was just an all local team. And we did that through multiple rounds of feedback and conversations with the team in Pakistan, with people there to actually ask them what they wanted, what they wanted to see and what would be reflective and of their community down there, because we don't know, we don't live there. So how do we ensure that we can take the opportunities given to us and like help prop up those in South Asia as well? That project is obviously very different to what you've been doing here in the UK. What, what for you, the main differences in, in piecing together that day and some of the challenges that were involved with it as well that you might not expect to find putting on an event like that here in the UK? We'll have to speak um, from listening to our to our team that were out there. But one story that sticks with me is um, on the trip, Nabiha Iqbal getting electrocuted while she's DJing. <laughs> because like the reality is is like you are literally rigging things yourself also you might not have an energy source so you need to think about a generator and then the the kit that you have you don't know where you don't know what policy I suppose you're getting of the hardware but what's really amazing is that no matter what those physical or material barriers are nothing stops creativity and energy and drive and so we are extremely privileged over here to just, you know, we sort of think about plugging everything in and going, but there's a few more steps, I think. And that's probably a major difference that I've seen with my own eyes in India and in Pakistan as well. But I heard from the team because I was in India at the same time that the guys were in Pakistan. So we were sort of exchanging ideas. Dhruva, what about you? I wasn't actually there. Unfortunately, I was one of the few people. We wrote this entire grant. The entire project was funded by British Council, like everybody flying out to Pakistan, doing masterclasses, workshops. Second half of the grant was bringing Joby over last week and them actually currently recording three albums in six days at Real World Studios. We, we, we chatted with Amar, who's the creative director there, like back in December after we won the grant to kind of see like if it could be possible. And then we just kept chatting about it. and. It was possible and obviously it's doable, but, you know, Asan was there producing it. Ahad was there hosting it. Nabiha Manar were also there hosting it and partaking. And they've all come back saying like it was the most life-changing trip they've been on. And I think that's because you see the realities of what people are doing to just like party and get together in the scene. Like you aren't allowed to drink in Pakistan, right? So we had to pre-record everything. And if anybody was at the venue drinking, they actually aren't, you can't see it in the boiler room. You can't, we've edited it all out or we've blurred it. We had to pre-record everything because the generator, uh, the power went out twice. And then the uh, somebody had put all the lines into one gen- generator. So that overloaded. So then they were like delayed by 45 minutes. We had to break for Azan every time. So if you're in the middle of, we had to like time set so perfectly that they finished right before Azan. And then we would have to have like food and we had to be really conscious of all of these things around it. And we had to be also very aware that we are company operating the diaspora coming into a space that where people live and are really resilient, but we don't want to like colonize that space. So how do you do it from an arm's distance? That's why all the branding has like all the Pakistani companies. We decided to do the fundraiser for KCR because which ended up raising 7,000 pounds, which is an incredible amount of money. Yeah, we're just trying to like navigate this really new minefield that we've come across. And 
there's so many opportunities being thrown at us that we want to ensure that you know the the, the it's an equitable playing field and the love is spread and we don't actually just like hog it all yeah and listening to you talk about dialed in and the boiler room I do just want to take a second to just gas you both and the whole team up because like it is amazing what you're doing do you ever just think with the parties that you're putting on and again I want to make clear that dialed in yeah is so much more than that as well with all the workshops and roundtables you're doing and then seeing the boiler room so I've been to a dialed in I watched the boiler room when it came out and every time I'm just like how have I gone so much of my life not seeing any spaces like this I'm going to put a question to you are you guys aware that you are you are making history and how does that feel like but like Pakistan's first boiler room and the fact that we've never seen anything like dialed in ever apart from maybe yeah rewinding all the way back to secret daytime and parties in the 80s 90s but how how does that feel firing (laughs) (laughs) exhausting I hate it no it is it is tiring in the sense that you you know you've I feel like there's like a sweet spot in between like all of us moving towards our individual purposes and then also like taking a step back and then just being like well there's like a global conversation happening there's a few people that are like I don't know how I would say like in my mind they're like sort of planted and then like there's energy radiating off of them and we're one of those we're one of those sort of pillars I suppose um but it feels really I sometimes I can't believe that we're at the center of this um and that makes it all the more meaningful and that's the driver that's why I'm saying there's this sweet spot between the exhaustion but also being like but we're doing it and it's energizing because I almost forget that we do events with the amount of admin we've got to do. And so in the past couple of weeks, we held Joby and the Grey Wall Twins at the Union Chapel. And the week before that, we took over a stage at the Fortet all day in Finsbury Park. And both of those days, there were just moments where I was standing there going, oh, yeah, like what we do is like really incredible. It's actually quite fun. But you forget that amongst like the meetings and the emails sometimes. But it's a feeling like no other. All of our individual career paths, I think, have led to us happening upon each other. So yeah, let's look forward to the September event. It looks absolutely amazing. Tell us about your thoughts, feelings, emotions heading into this event. So I mean, you you were talking actually about like how we've made history, and you 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 were talking about how what it feels like. Real talk, we actually haven't stopped. We we just have not stopped. Like the five founders, especially we, since last. March, we've just been going, um, you know, we had the first Alden and then we all went, I went back to Canada and saw my family for the first time in like years um, because of the pandemic. And then I came back and we just started on earth and we've just been like nonstop. And so we're actually, this dialed in is going to be the last uh, London based festival that we're going to be doing for a while. Uh, we've got some really exciting projects and opportunities and offers in the pipeline that we'll announce uh, soon, but like dialed in as a festival, this will be the last time for at least at least 12 months in London, because one of the reasons is we're actually going to Nepal for like two and a half, three weeks after dialed in to kind of recuperate and recover and regroup and figure out how we kind of take on all the offers and take on like the opportunities that we have coming up and seeing what's actually manageable. So this one in particular is going to be really exciting for me, especially because 
we're bringing, which we haven't announced, we're bringing a lot of artists from South Asia itself to play at Dalden. Won another grant from British Council where we picked five artists from the UK and five artists from South Asia who have been collaboratively making music for the last however many months. On September 10th, they'll be playing at Dalden, each with individual sets. There'll also be artists from America, from Australia, from kind of the global diaspora playing at dialed in so it, it's going to be a really special one because we're not just like looking back to the past but we're also looking as to like what's happening outside of plague island basically <laughs> and what's happening outside of the the british diaspora but what's happening everywhere and what's happening in south asia it's going to be a really really exciting one because we take a lot of time programming and curating the stages and the lineup so Right now on paper, it looks like one that's headed towards the past, but the stage breakdown is a really interesting one where it caters to kind of every interest we have learned our audience wants to see out of Dialed In. And so each of the six stages at Dialed In this year will have something for somebody, including non-music-led stuff. So we're going to be doing comedy and workshops and poetry and dance workshops and writing workshops and there'll also be like this place where you can just kind of chill and uh, watch movies and eat food and so it's kind of this interactive space that we're going to be hoping to like make Waltham Forest and the area Black Horse Road. So there we have it an absolutely fascinating discussion chat words from two of the dialed in team it's so amazing to see what they can do what kind of events they've got coming up and just yeah the amount of effort that goes into those amazing events yeah they are non-stop they are non-stop so so much love for them to for giving us the time for giving us and also everyone who's going to be at the next dialed in this episode is coming out a week before like post on instagram we want to see what's going on like share what's happening we're so jealous we're going to have huge fomo we want to see how lit it is yeah so yeah thanks to all our listeners and again hit us up on the instagram it's at representation underscore podcast and we'll you'll be seeing and hearing from us soon and uh, before we sign off once again shout outs to our sponsors greenleaf catering